Welcome into 10 Questions with NBC10 Boston. I'm Kwani Lunas, and for the month of February, as we do all year round, we're continuing to celebrate Black excellence. So joining me now is UConn women's basketball alum, three-time NCAA champion. The list goes on, honestly. We'll get into that. Ashley Battle, currently a scout for the Boston Celtics. Thank you for joining me today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Of course. And I first want to start with those who don't know your story. We got to start where how you started into how you got into basketball. What was your earliest memory? Oh, man. My earliest memory of basketball is, you know, playing. So I grew up in Pittsburgh and we had a local court called the field, but it was called Manchester Field. And, you know, that's where a lot of the great basketball games were. Um, I was really tall for my height. Um, I was the only girl on an all boys fifth grade basketball team. And I would just go and play all the time, you know, with guys who were bigger, stronger, faster. And they, you know, treated me like, you know, one of the guys that then had no mercy. There was definitely no mercy. It was, you know, if, hey, if you're going to be out here, you know, you got to play, you got to learn how to play. So, you know, that's probably one of my earliest memories. Um, and then also playing with my family, my mom and my aunts, they all played. And, you know, fourth grade in the fifth grade, well, fourth, like third grade in the fourth grade and that whole fourth grade year, I was probably like the same height as my mom and my mom's like five, five. And so they used to just try to like bully ball me, you know, all the time, like Charles Barkley bully balling me all the time, just ugh, backing me down, backing me down, backing me down, hook shot. And I was a kid. So I would complain like, this is not real basketball. Like, right. what is this? And they, and they would just say, well, beat me. Can you beat me? And, you know, going into my fifth grade year, I shot up four more inches. I was about, you know, five, nine, five, ten. you know, going into the fifth grade. And so I'm like, well, how about it now? You know, let's talk a little bit about this now. And I figured out how to, to beat them. And after that, they didn't they didn't want to play me anymore. That makes sense. I mean, why would they want to? I actually, it's funny you mentioned being the only girl on your team growing up. I was on Google today, as usually I think most people's mornings start there. And the doodle that they had featured was of Tony Stone, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with her story, but she was actually one of the first uh, few female athletes to play in the Negro Leagues at the time. From your experience, why would you say um, well, we know that usually that's because there aren't obviously enough opportunities for women to play their sport. But how would you say that helped you develop your game in addition to really being bullied and taught how to be stronger in the game? Uh, I mean, it's just mental toughness. They crack jokes. They are, you know, a lot bigger, a lot faster. So you have to get tougher sooner um, and you have to develop your skills because you want to get picked and you want to play it. And, and they pick based off of talent. It didn't matter you know, if I was a, a female or a male, I mean, some of my best friends would be like, Ash was always one of the first ones to get picked, you know, so they would they would say that to this day, if you ask them, they would still say, you know, Ash was always getting picked first. So it was just one of those things where I was really athletic at and talented at a young age and was able to really hone those skills uh, throughout the course of my life. And in addition to the athletic ability, I think you it's safe to say that education played a huge role in it, especially when it came to you really developing your game. I was reading up on a little more in your background, and I saw that you had a hard time deciding your first private school that you ended up going to. 
What was the thought process behind deciding to go to Lindsay School and then eventually having to make that decision to go to UConn as well? Oh, well, I mean, it was, I mean, it was like getting recruited in high school to go, although Lindsley didn't recruit me, yeah. but the city schools and the Catholic schools in the area was just like, hey, you know, like, would you want to go to Oakland Catholic? Would you want to go to Shinley? Would you want to go to Perry? Would you want to go to Canavan? I mean, it was just like all these different schools that were, you know, vying for my attention. And, and I played on a very successful AAU team and they, we were all kind of going to different you know, schools within the city, but ultimately we're like, it would be really cool if we could all go to school together. And at the time, my AAU coach was vying for the job at Canavan. So we were all thinking like, if he got the job at Canavan, we're all going to go to Canavan, which, but ultimately he didn't get the job. And so we all kind of scattered throughout the city. And I had an opportunity to go to Lindsley going into the seventh grade so that process is really like, okay, you know, you go, you take the admissions test and they kind of see what level you're at, reading comprehension, and they figure out, okay, well, she's eligible to be in the seventh grade. She's eligible to be in the eighth grade, you know, from the standards that they have. And so the seventh grade, I went and took this test. I did very well. And the seventh grade is the earliest that they're able to take dorm students. So essentially it was like going to college in the seventh grade. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to still be at home. I didn't want to leave my family. I didn't want to wear a uniform. I didn't want to wear, I didn't want to be away. Going into the eighth grade, I went down, I take the admissions test. I, you know, I'm just like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And going into the ninth grade, of course, the same thing happens. I take the admissions test. I'm like, oh man, uh, I don't know. And my mom goes to me, she goes, Ash, <laughs> you don't like it. You can always come home. You're right. not bound to stay there. <laughs> like you can leave. And when she said that a light bulb went off and I was like, oh my goodness, you're right. Like I can leave, like I don't have to stay. And I went down there and I would say it was probably one of the best decisions that you know I made to go to boarding school as the city was pretty bad at the time with a lot of violence and stuff like that. Um, and then that process of going to UConn, again, I mentioned earlier that my AAU team was really, really good. We won, we were the number one team in the country as 12 year olds. We came in third place as like 13, 14, 15. I mean, we were, we were very talented. And, um, you know, so I, I wasn't too concerned with like getting a scholarship because I kind of figured I was going to get one. And, and Lindsley didn't have, a good basketball program at the time. It, it was, you know, p- people always think, oh, you went down there for basketball. I'm like, no, I didn't. They sucked. Like, it wasn't, I didn't <laughs> brought me for basketball. <laughs> right. You know, and so, you know, the program started to get a little bit better while I was there. Um, and, you know, I started getting recruited by a lot of different schools. I mean, I'd venture to say the only two schools I do not re- recall getting a letter from is Tennessee and North Carolina. Every other school in the country, I received some form of information from, and um, and I was I was set in stone going to Stanford. I was just like, I'm out of here, West Coast. Here I come, like better weather, all this, and I'm just like peace, you know. So you know, obviously, I didn't go to Stanford, and my last three schools were UConn, Penn State, and Duke. And, you know, Penn State at the time, they were up and coming. They had some 
incoming freshmen that would have been my class that were really, really talented, uh, Kelly Mazzanti, and then I'm really good friends with Tanisha Wright and Jessica Strom. Like we all, we the, th- the two of us grew up together. And so I was like, man, you know, that could be really interesting. And the Duke had incoming freshmen that were going to be really, really good coming in with Elena Beard and Isis Tillis. And and when you growing up in that lifestyle of AAU and camps and stuff like that, you, you meet all these people right. along the way. And Elena and I, unbeknownst to each other, like people both call us AB. And we didn't know that at the time. And actually, there's a funny story of us playing against each other where we're at she's at Duke, I'm at UConn, and everyone's like, A B, A B, A B. And we're both like <laughs> looking like this. And then after the game, we're like, Do they call you A B? And I'm like, Do they call you A B? And we're like, Yeah, I was like, Oh my god, it was so confusing. But which it really was, because you'd turn and look and be like, You're not my teammate. Like, why are you right? Me? Like, why are you asking for help? <laughs> right. Like, I'm not helping you. Like, stop, <laughs> you know. And so it was just really funny, you know, after the game. But you know, um, ultimately, like, so I so I knew them going in, and then I grew up with Swin. We're both from Pittsburgh. Um, Diana and I have been friends, you know, from those different AAU circuits and playing and camps and stuff like that. Maria Conlon and I have been friends. And UConn ultimately was just a better fit for me. And, and I know that, like, they were coming off a national championship, and I know I'm also a very sore loser. And um, I've gotten a lot better. But back then, I was, like, really, really, really bad. Um and so I knew this was going to be a place to challenge me. Um, I ended up graduating with a double major in marketing and economics, along with, you know, having a successful athletic career. It's pretty obvious to the basketball eye why UConn women's basketball is such a great program. But being right. an insider, what do you think makes it stand out the most? Uh, to, for example, you know, just the other day, UConn Tennessee played and we had you know, 10 alumni come back, you know, from all different age groups, you know, some played prior to me, some played after me, and yet we're all friends. It's all intergenerational. And you have the support from your alumni who wants to be there and support the current team. But also I think the coaching staff is also really great throughout the years where we've developed talent at a really high clip. You know, of course we've gotten a lot of great talent throughout the years, but I think, you know, the camaraderie and what it means to play at UConn, we all take that to heart and we all want want to win at the end of the day. And having, you know, someone like Coach, a.k.a. Gino, who, who's been through the fire, who's, you know, have such a ton of experience with him and Chris Daly, it, it's, a no, it's a no-brainer why people want to go there. And then fast forward, 2005, you end up getting picked 25 overall. What was that experience yeah. like for you? Uh, I didn't know if that was going to happen. <laughs> I didn't know that was going to happen at all. I mean, I was, you know, one of these players that was labeled um, a defensive player who couldn't score. And I knew that that wasn't necessarily the case. Like sometimes when you go on teams, such as a team like UConn, you almost got to figure out like what role do you need to do in order to a get playing time because there's so many talented players, but also is going to be best suited for your team. And we had, you know, players the likes of Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi, Swin Cash, like those guys could score. They could score, you know, and, and and I had to figure out like, okay, well, not everybody wants to be the best defender out there. Like I can I can be that. You know, I'm and I could still score. You know, and so uh, I ended up getting invited to the WNBA draft combine. And I know I don't think they have this now, but 
but I wouldn't have gotten drafted without it. So it's similar to the NBA combine where you have, you know, drills and you play games and this and the other. And so the first two days I was absolutely trash. Like I was like, I played horribly, horribly. And the very last day it was just playing pickup. And so I was like, okay, well, I don't get, really got anything to lose. And, and I just, pl- I played so well. It was just in my bag. I don't think I missed a, I don't think I missed a shot. Every time I shot the ball, people were like, Oh, like screaming. It, I mean, it was like really insane. And people were calling Gino and they're just like, you won't believe what Ashley battles doing. He's like, yeah, dude, she does this every day in practice. Like I've seen this before. Like I know she's very capable of literally doing whatever she wants to do on the court, whenever she wants to do it, you know? So it was like this great, great time. And I, uh, Jessica Moore, who's uh, my best friend, she played at UConn with me and we're at this draft uh, combine together. And I could see her in the corner, like biting her nails. And she's just like, oh my God, oh my God. You know, and it, it was just a really great experience. And afterwards, uh, one of the co- coaches, actually Jenny Busek, who's coaching with Indiana, she was at Seattle at the time and she came up to me and she goes, I think you just got yourself drafted. And sure enough, I ended up getting drafted to the team that that she was coaching for um, in Seattle. You brought up a really good point about when you were at UConn, figuring out how you fit into a roster full of talented other women. When you get drafted to the WNBA, and I'm sure even when you went to high school, how have you found a way to adapt each and every time, especially when you know you're, when you get to WNBA, you're playing at the highest level? Right. I mean, it's, you know, in Seattle, it was one of those things where, you know, they, the assistant coaches will come up to me and say, Hey, you know, Anne wants to see you rebound. So I would rebound and wants to see you score. So I would score and I would do these things, you know, because I wanted to show that a, I was a versatile player, but you know, I could literally do all these different things in the court. And, and I didn't, which almost trying to break the stereotype of like, Hey, you're a, you're a defensive player who can't score, but it, I still ended up with over a thousand points at UConn. Like I could put the ball in the bucket, you know? And so, although, you know, sometimes when you're, when you're doing these things, it's ultimately not enough. Like sometimes it comes down to money. Sometimes it comes down to fit. And, you know, I was actually released from that team in Seattle that I was drafted to. So I had to figure out like, Hey, do I still want to do this? Do I like, what, what's my mental? Like, do I want to continue to play or do I want to just get a job? Because at the time, I had already interned at Nike. I was really close with the person that I interned with and she wanted to bring me on board. So I had some options there, but I decided to, I needed to prove to myself because I knew I was talented enough to play in the WNBA. So I went overseas and I got better and I ended up having a tryout in New York where, you know, the rest is history. And and that's where I spent the bulk of my career. Basketball has clearly been following you for your entire life at this point. And now you are a scout for the Boston Celtics. How did that role come about for you? Um, You know, a lot of it is just being in the right place at the right time and a lot of networking and, and reaching out to people um, and opportunity at the same time, you know? So it's like one of those things where it's fit, you know, I interviewed, I talked about the things that I thought the team needed. I talked about things that I thought would, you know, that I would want. And it was just a really good fit. And, you know, I'm re- very fortunate that to come to an organization like the Celtics, you know, historic organization where, you know, things are run the right way and I have like really great people around me. So it's a really awesome, 
you know, job to come into and to really grow from. For those who don't really understand the scouting role, without giving away too many secrets, what right, does it your trade deadline? I exactly. It, it, this was actually a setup for you to release. No, you're trying to get all the goods out of me. <laughs> but what is your day to day like? And especially now that we are approaching the NBA deadline, how does your role look? Uh, so still every day, I try to watch at least two games throughout the day, um, and I try to knock them out pretty early. Uh, and we have different apps that we could go to where it cuts the commercials out and you're able to, you know, kind of watch and watch things. Or if you just wanted to watch clips on guys, you could do that as well. Um, and then, you know, it's a lot of phone calls, calling teams, talking to teams, agents, you know, all types of stuff. Um, and, and as we're approaching the trade deadline, you know, we have a lot of meetings and discussing, you know, what we see fit for the future of the team. That makes sense. It's pretty self-explanatory. Self-explanatory. <laughs> <From> your... <laughs> anything for that. Right. From your experience now, obviously have having played in the WNBA and now working for an NBA team, money aside, because that's one of the biggest factors in marketing, right. what would you say is the biggest difference between the two leagues? Uh, you know, the w WNBA is obviously, you know, below the rim. There's a lot more passing, cutting, um, and, you know, playing the game like that. And in the NBA, it's, uh, you know, a little bit more, it's no, they're actually both really physical <laughs> and, um, you know, you play above the rim, but ultimately basketball is basketball. You know, if you see things, you know, flashing and how you position yourself, a lot of the things are very, are the same. A lot of the footwork is the same. Um, a lot of the rules are the same. Really. It's just a matter of, you know, people knowing how to play basketball and people not knowing how to play basketball. I think a lot of the, you know, the buzz when you see people are like, oh, I never watched the WNBA. And I challenge them really, like, go to a game. Go to a game and go um, see some people play. You'll probably be surprised at how good the teams are and how good the games actually are. Um, and, you know, and and your favorite player loves WNBA players and WNBA games. So they, they're they not just watching it because just to watch it. They watch because they're actually learning something and it's great basketball. Why do you think it's taking so long? And there's still a lot of progress to go, but for, for sure. people to start to appreciate the women's game. Um, and, you know, I think it's just ignorance, you know, it's just ignorance and people, you know, they're set in their ways and, and what they, what they want to watch. And, and that's fine. I think, you know, as the women's game grow, the audience will continue to grow. Um, you know, and I think we also need a little bit more support from different networks as well, because, you know, when I played, it was it was it's kind of crazy how this cycle have gone, you know. So when the WNBA started, there was a lot of media attention and you know, Lisa Leslie and Teresa Witherspoon. And there's a lot of hype They you would see WNBA players in different commercials and TV programming and all those different things. And then it kind of took a little dip. But when I was in college, you know, if you if UConn lost, it was the number one story on on SportsCenter, you know, for a week. I couldn't watch SportsCenter for a week because. They would just be talking, you know, oh, UConn lost. Like that would lead the lead the stories all the time. So it's kind of, you know, odd how we've gone from, you know, a lot of media support to right now. I mean, there's it's kind of trying to uptick right now. But for a long time, there was a low where there was like no media support. And in order to grow the game, you need the media. You know, the NBA has a lot 
has grown significantly because of TV contracts and how they've been able to expand and, and expand the salary caps and expand the salaries. And a lot of it has come from, you know, the revenue that is gained from t- television contracts. And the biggest conversation, I think, between the two sports always has to do with revenue overall. You mentioned during your time at UConn, you were on Sports Center, these big networks on a regular basis. And now we're seeing, again, a different kind of growth where a fellow UConn Husky, Paige Beckers, is now, she just signed her second NIL de- deal with Cash App, but she was able to put her teammates on with her stock out, um, stock exit. I knew, I just saw that. That was awesome. That <laughs> what do you think awesome. about NIL overall? I, I love it. You know, I love it. You know, ultimately, there's a lot of different things that come with, you know, NIL. Like the, you know, I just hope that the players don't feel the pressure I have to do well. I have to be like this. I have to be this type of person because they signed an NIL deal, you know, go out there and play your game, be true to who you are and the rest will take care of itself. You know, don't try to be different than who you are. And I saw that page, you know, gifted everybody stuff from StockX and, and, and I was like, this is amazing. And this is what it was about. You know, like, it's great to have, you know, it's great for Paige to be able to be talented enough to get a huge NIL deal like that. But it's also just, so giving to see like hey if i if i'm feeding if i'm eating my team's eating too and i just love to see that and um you know i hope to see more of that in the future and and i can imagine for you as a player do you wish that it existed it's kind of a oh heck yeah <laughs> i mean like i was on these teams i mean especially like when i played like again like we were we were getting a lot of media attention selling out everywhere we went you know, three national championships in a row. We broke John Wooden's record of like 88 games, 88 consecutive games, win streak. I mean, we had a lot of media attention. And so I'm sure if social media was as popular as it was, you know, as it is now back then, we would all probably had 50 plus thousand, you know, followers and NIA deals. And, you know, I mean, but the, the, the series alone just between UConn and Tennessee was at the time when we played those games were must-see TV and the highly, you know, most rated television sports games, like, you know, of ever, like every time we break a record. So it wasn't, so of course, yeah, I would have loved to have an ideal, you know, like, I mean, Diana, just imagine like Diana with an ideal, like Sue, like it, I mean, it was just, we had so many players that would have, you know, totally benefited for that, um, you know, when I played and and even like the likes of me, because, you know, I have a, I, I'd like to think I have a pretty cool personality, you know, and so it it uh, would have worked really well for different sponsors. I know one person in the basketball world that you were close to and has had a big impact on women's sports was Kobe Bryant. How would you say he impacted not only your game, but just the sphere of women's sports overall? Uh, I mean, Kobe was, you know, all about women's sports and women's basketball. I mean, the, well, the last time, yeah, I guess it would have been the last time I saw him. He uh, was at the NBA league office, you know, meeting with the commissioner of the WNBA to see what he could do to improve the game, what he could do to help the league, what he can do, you know, and I think that's, you know, one of the things that now that he has passed, people have been talking about like how generous he was and how much he was always trying to help other people and be there for other people. And, you know, he would, 
you know, take players in and teach them different footwork techniques, how to, you know, shoot, where to, where to create space, you know, all these little minor things, minor details that he's figured out by playing, he was able to pass that on and instill it in other players. And, you know, and it's, it's a huge loss for women's basketball, but I'm sure we will always keep his memory alive and Gigi's memory alive because she was really good. She was really, really good. And I, you know, fortunate to have been able to play, you know, and it, play with them um, in practice and to see how talented that team was. I mean, they were really good. I mean, and I was just like, I can't believe this. Like they're doing moves that you don't even learn, until, and some people don't even learn until they become pro, you know, like the little shimmy, shimmy, turnaround jump shots. Like they were learning that in the seventh grade, and they were good at it. You know, feel the defense, where'd he go? Like they they knew, they had such great feel for the game at such a young age that like it's, you know, it, you know, it's just, I feel like we were all robbed to see, you know, how well these, these girls would have been, how well they would have played and, and robbed of seeing, you know, you know, the relationship grow and, and and his relationship with women's basketball grow. Absolutely. On a lighter note, I do, we've talked about basketball for most of this interview, but most people like to think of themselves as pretty well-rounded. So what is one skill that you have that people would be shocked about? A skill that I have that people would be shocked about? Um, I think I have a couple of them. Okay. Uh, Okay. I'm hurting us now. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I have a couple of them. I uh, I like to play the guitar. Um, although my guitar teacher would probably be upset with me because I haven't been practicing. Um, so I need to I need to really pick the guitar up. Uh, I like to draw. Okay. Uh, where I'm not too. I mean, I've had some things. I'm not too bad, but you know that could be better. Um. And I'm probably like a really good movie critic. Okay, <laughs> that's yeah. That's it's so cool. random. It's so it's so random. But I love going to the movies, and and a really good friend of mine, he and I, we could talk movies literally all day. And um, even my teammates, we all like are are movie buffs and 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 recite movie lines. You know, I think with two of my teammates, Sue Bird and Maria Conlon, I could probably we could probably have a conversation that's like all movie quotes like the and Jessica Moore actually for that matter like the four of us could probably sit down and have a conversation where we just talk in movie quotes what are the top movies that get quoted on a regular it, it's it, I mean, it, it could be anything it, it can literally be anything from like dirty dancing to you know I mean it could be Marvel I mean it could literally be anything and like for the most part you know we'll be like oh I haven't seen that movie in a long time like you know what I mean like we'll pick you up like what the quote is yeah. That is impressive because I watch a movie and immediately forget everything that happens sometimes. So <laughs> I'm yeah. really impressed by that skill set. <laughs> we got it. We have a we have a brain like an elephant <laughs> when it comes to movies. Movies specifically. Yeah. No, that's pretty cool. So as I mentioned at the beginning, we are celebrating black excellence overall, not just for Black History Month. So for you, what does black excellence mean overall? Man, you know, Black excellence is just really taking things to another level. You know, I think, you know, as as a culture, we've always had to work harder and be twice as smart, smarter than our counterparts. And and I think, you know, 
today you see a lot of people who are in industries that you've never seen people of color in and were able to succeed and do really well. And I think it's showing the the next generation and the younger generation after that, that, hey, you have the ability to to move on, to push on, and to be even better and greater than we are, and to keep it going for the future generation so we can create an equality that, you know, our our forefathers have talked about. And I, I am totally here to support that. I'm totally here to help others. And and I I'm hopefully I'm doing my part into trying to pave the way and push forward for other people. Ashley, you've already done so much to begin with, but I'm with you. I'm looking forward to the rest of your successes, whether it's in basketball or beyond. Thank you so much. This is going to be fun. I'm excited. <laughs> Thank you for joining 10 Questions with NBC10 Boston. That was like 12 questions. Ha, ha, ha.